So this is super sad, but part one is having some kind of error, technical difficulty. So we're going to start here in part two. Sorry. Just talking about Adam and Eve's family. And so it was pretty shocking that they had some just within the second generation that they began to follow Satan. But <clears throat> what's what's crazy is like sometimes us as parents we think that it's we want to blame ourselves like it's our fault that certain things happened and in reality um we've all been given our free agency and so you know the fact that the children of adam and eve could still be choosing to oppose the work of the Lord or not choose things, not choose the righteous uh, things to follow the Savior, then then we can't blame ourselves either. You know, like we we try, we set up those family um, routines and rituals that help us connect with each other. And, you know, let's be honest, the Adam, his first time being a parent, was this is the same experience that we're having as first time parents although he doesn't have extra help like google at least we know that the lord was helping him and teaching him the the doctrine but when we need help you know where do we get our our help we can search google if something's wrong or you know so they so we got to cut them some slack a little bit too and realize like hey it was their first time being parents and although they were being taught from the Lord that everybody still gets their free agency and gets to choose who to follow. So anyway, we're going to keep reading in Moses chapter six, verse five. And the book of remembrance was kept in the, which was recorded in the language of Adam for it was given unto as many as called upon God to write by the spirit of inspiration. And I am, Oh, Looks like Flora found some beef jerky. Okay, no worries. <laughs> For it was given unto as many as called upon God to write by the spirit of inspiration. And by their by them, their children were taught to read and write, having a language which was pure and undefiled. I love that they kept a book of remembrance. This is like a journal and helps us remember that, hey, you know, although... Um, we might have struggles and things like that and good, good days and bad days. We can still write down those things, um, that bring us closer to Christ, that bring us closer to each other. And like, what did we do in our life that helped us when we went through this, you know? And so those are the things that, that we can write down, um, that our posterity can remember. And, um, says right here in the by elder henry b iring he said you could have an experience with the gift of the holy ghost today you could begin a private prayer with thanks you could start to count your blessings and then pause for a moment if you exercise faith and with the gift of the holy ghost you will find that memories of other blessings will flood into your mind if you begin to express gratitude for each of them your prayer may take a little longer than usual. Remembrance will come, and so will gratitude. You could try the same thing as you write an entry in your book of remembrance. The Holy Ghost has helped with that since the beginning of time. You remember in the record of Moses, it says, and a book of remembrance was kept in the which was recorded in the language of Adam, for it was given unto many as called upon God to write by the spirit of inspiration. President Spencer W. Kimball described that process of inspired writing those who keep a book of remembrance are more likely to keep the Lord in remembrance in their daily lives. Journals are a way of counting our blessings and of leaving an inventory of these blessings for our posterity. General Conference, October 1989 by Elder Henry Bearing. And I love, 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 love that. I'm not the best journal keeper or record keeper or book of remembrance keeper. Um, but I have gotten a lot better throughout the years and I love being able to read. Like, what is that feeling when you read your own words from later on? It's just like amazing to see 
like, hey, this was me. Like, I wrote this. Sometimes I'm impressed with the things that I write. In fact, sometimes I question my level of spirituality. Like, wow, I wrote that? Like, wow, I was pretty a uh, spiritual person back then. And then I'm like kind of shocked at the fact that like maybe I don't feel like I've made as much progress as I think I have. But uh, then again, I also realized that, you know what, the Holy Ghost could have been inspiring me to write those words. And that's why it maybe doesn't sound like me because the Holy Ghost was trying to help me remember those things that I was forgetting. And so I love being able to think of, uh, to be able to read through my old journals and things like that. Oh boy, Flora's helping. Okay. All right. And then... um, So I've actually been thinking um, that I need to start keeping a better record of the experiences that I've had. And I've been keeping these records in my notes app on my phone. And I just kind of have a running notes app um, for each month. So it's like journal notes 11, January 2022. But I had journal notes... 10 December and then I had journal notes 9 in November 2021 so I've had um and I like to remember like write those things down in those um and I want to put those in like google drive or something so that I don't forget them but it's basically like just little things that I do remember so it's super helpful um also they taught them to read and write um through their testimony of Jesus Christ, they were able to read and write. And I know that both Finn and Faust have learned how to be better readers through reading the Book of Mormon. And I know that that has blessed their lives immensely. Um, And there's something having, there's some connection that they're, that that we're meant to have when we are reading the Book of Mormon and when we're trying to learn it's just like it just comes better like we just are more we can receive the learning better we can we're just open you know our spirit is willing to learn and teach us and it's just awesome anyway okay number seven now this same priesthood which was in the beginning shall be in the end of the world also now this prophecy Adam spake as he was moved upon by the Holy Ghost, and a genealogy was kept of the children of God, and this was the book of the generations of Adam, saying, In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. In the image of his own body, male and female, created he them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam in the day when they were created, and became living souls in the land upon the footstool of God. And Adam lived one hundred and thirty years, and begat a son in his own likeness, after his own image, and called his name Seth. And the days of Adam after he had begotten Seth were 800 years, and he begat many sons and daughters. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Seth lived 105 years and begat Enos and prophesied in all his days and taught his son Enos in the ways of God. Wherefore, Enos prophesied also. And Seth lived after the, he begat Enos 807 years and begat many sons and daughters. Okay, so, oh, you know what? Let me read up until verse 15. And the children of men were numerous upon all the face of the land. And in those days, Satan had great dominion among them and among men and raged in their hearts. And from thenceforth came wars and bloodshed. And a man's hand was against his own brother in administering death because of secret work seeking for power. Okay, so we have some commentary from verse 6 to 15. Verse 6 helps us see how sophisticated these first generations were, for they came to earth with tools and intelligence. They were taught to read and write, having a language which was pure and undefiled, which I think is better than thinking that we had, like, some kind of cavemen peeps, you know. Um, This language is often called Adamic language the Adamic language. In these verses, we see that Adam and his posterity, Seth and then Enos, lived righteously and prophesied all of their days. This righteous line continued to grow and they lived among the wicked who were also continuing to grow. Within the first and second thousand years, this is how mankind was described. Satan had great dominion among them and raised in their hearts and from thenceforth came wars 
and bloodshed at man's hand was against his own brother in administering death because of secret work seeking to, or seeking or power. Satan is certainly seeking to claim dominion of this fallen world. Okay, now we're going to read verse 16. All the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. And Enos lived 90 years and begat Canaan. And Enos and the residue of the people of God came out from the land, which was called Shulon. Oh, you guys like that place. Because <laughs> it sounds like the shoe. And dwelt in a land of promise, which he called after his own son, whom he had named Canaan. And Enos lived after he begat Canaan 850 years and begat many sons and daughters. And all the days of Enos were 905 years and he died. And okay, so some commentary there. In verse 17, we learn that Enos led the righteous people out of the land. Shulon and took them to a land of promise that was named after Canaan, Enos's son, right? So they moved away from the wicked and their wars and bloodshed. And just imagine how great an event this would have been to pick up and move away um, out of like everybody that you knew, right? And that would be so crazy. Remember when Nephi has to move away from his brothers Laman and Lemuel but like they had cousins and or they had kids and the kids had cousins and and the cousins had cousins and anyway like it was a super sad thing so this is like the most exact similar story that happened um because they needed to move away um so that they would be away from danger but then also be able to worship the Lord without being persecuted, right? Um, nobody likes ne needing to be harassed or bullied, right? So this is like their way of like, hey, you know, we're not going to put up with this bullying and beating us up anymore and wars and stuff. So we're just going to move. Um, so out of all that Enos would have accomplished in his long life of 905 years, what do we know of him? So he called upon the name of the Lord and was blessed. He prophesied and he led the righteous out from among the wicked and into the promised land. So those are like the things that we learn um, about him. So, But imagine like, remember when we read Genesis, it didn't have anything like that. And so we wouldn't have even seen that. So we're grateful that we do have a little bit extra from Joseph Smith. Okay, and then verse 19, and Canaan lived 70 years and begat Mahalalel, and Canaan lived after he begat Mahalalel 800 years and 40 years and begat sons and daughters, and all the days of Canaan were 910 years, and he died. And Mahalalel lived 65 years and begat Jared, and Mahalalel lived after he begat Jared 800 years. Um just kidding, 830 years and begat sons and daughters and all the days of Mahalaleel were 895 years and he died. And, <clears throat> and Jared lived 162 years and begat Enoch and Jared lived after he begat Enoch 800 years and begat sons and daughters and Jared taught Enoch in all the ways of God. Okay, so I love that. Like, because his dad was passing down the um the stories of Jesus, right? And just preaching and prophesying and was able to teach his son all the ways of God. And so it wasn't like it was lost. It was just that some people didn't want to listen or obey. Um and so I love that that we have that example, right? Because as you, it like if we didn't teach, if we just kind of had our own conversion and didn't teach um, you kids anything, then we can't expect you kids to be able to teach your your kids. And then so it's just like it's a cycle. Like we, in order for us to be able to hand down those things that we believe and those things, those traditions and those rituals and those stories of Jesus so that you can gain your own testimony like 
then you wouldn't. You wouldn't be able to gain your own testimony. Kind of reminds me of those people who are like, well, I'm going to let my kid decide if he gets baptized or not. And, but I'm going to let them choose by the time they're 12. Well, that's great. But are you giving them enough information or are you not teaching? Is this just like your way of saying you don't want to teach your child and, you know, you're just going to ignore all the teaching and expect them to somehow want to get baptized when they're 12, right? And sadly, you know, like a lot of parents might have good intentions, but it doesn't happen that way. And I I know several people throughout my leadership roles who have tried to put that in the hands of their own kids and say, well, I'm going to let them choose to be baptized when they're 12. And they don't teach them the gospel at all. And they expect that when their kid is 12, they're going to be able to make an informed decision and have their own testimony or not. And they can't because there's no way that they would have because they didn't teach them. Right. And so what happens then is, is they just forget. And it's not anything that that child would even want because it was nothing that was being taught to them at all. And it doesn't help when you don't bring your kid to church either, you know. So um, so I can see how first generation or second generation kids aren't getting the same opportunity to partake of the gospel of Jesus Christ if the parents do not teach them what they have learned, you know. Um, okay. So now we're reading 22. And this is the genealogy of the sons of Adam, who was the son of God, with whom God himself conversed. And they were preachers of righteousness and spake and prophesied and called upon all men everywhere to repent. And faith was taught unto the children of men. And it came to pass that all the days of Jared were ninety or 962 years and he died. And Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. And it came to pass... Um, hold on a second. Before I read verse 26, it has commentary. These verses continue to record righteous generations, making eight generations in total. Adam, Seth, Enos, Cain, and Mahalaleel, Jared, Enoch, and Methuselah, who will be the grandfather of Noah. These great men taught their sons in all the ways of God and were preachers of righteousness and spoke and spake and prophesied and called upon men everywhere to repent. The record we have of them is brief. But imagine if we had a restored and detailed record of their lives and ministry. Whoa, that would be like so amazing. Um, Although we may easily read that Enoch was born after the death of Adam. That is not, uh, Adam dies in verse 12. That, That is not the case. Adam lived for 900 years and Enoch, Methuselah, and Lamech, Noah's father, had been born. In fact, look at what DNC 107, 53 to 57 says about the Lord appearing to all these men to Adam and at, at Adam and on Diamond. So 53, DNC 107, 53. Three years previous to the death of Adam, he called Seth, Enos, Canaan, Mahalalel, Jared, Enoch, and Methuselah, who were all high priests, with the residue of his posterity, who were righteous, into the valley of Adam on Diamond. And there bestowed upon them his last blessing. And the Lord appeared unto them, and they rose up and blessed Adam and called him Michael, and the the prince of the prince, the archangel. And the Lord administered comfort unto Adam and said unto him, I have set thee to be at the head. A multitude of nations shall come of thee, and thou art a prince over them forever. And Adam stood up in the midst of the congregation, and notwithstanding he was bowed down with age being full of the Holy Ghost, predicted whatsoever should befall his posterity unto the latest generation. These things were all written in the book of Enoch and are to be testified of in due time. So that's amazing. So just imagine hearing Adam prophesy of what would befall his posterity unto the latest generation. There would be so many highs and lows in what they would have heard. Also, DNC 107.57 speaks of the book of Enoch, which will yet to be test will which will yet be testified of. There are currently some apocryphal 
ancient records that are believed to be written by Enoch. The Bible Dictionary explains that apocryphal books are mostly correct, but with many interpolations by man. The Bible Dictionary lists a number of books that are considered apocryphal and specifically mentions the Book of Enoch. The current interpretation of Enoch's record includes angels fallen and misbehaving upon the earth. However, Hugh Nibley wrote an article in the Enzyme and gave this insight, which can help us understand the world's current interpretation as well as understand the wicked world in Enoch's day. Okay, so let me read that by Hugh Nibley. In it is wait, it is the Joseph Smith Enoch which gives the most convincing solution. The, be- the beings who fell were not angels, but men who had come, become sons of God from the beginning. It tells mortal men could qualify as sons of God, beginning with Adam. Behold, thou, Adam, art one in me as son of God, and thus may all become my sons. How? By believing and entering the covenant. Our father Adam taught these things, and many have believed and become the sons of God. Thus, when Noah and his sons hearkened unto the Lord and gave heed, they were called the sons of God. In short, the sons of God are those who accept and live by the law of God. When the sons of men, as Enoch calls them, broke their covenant, they still insisted on that exalted title. Behold, we are the sons of God. Oh, thanks. I just got delicious fries and soup. Thanks. Special shout out. Thanks to the hubbies. And we'll keep reading. What made the world of Enoch so singularly depraved as to invite total obliteration was the deliberate and systematic system yeah systematic perversion of heavenly things to justify wickedness an early christian writer hippolytus or hippolytus says that the antichrist imitates christ in every particular each sends out his apostles gives his seal to believers does signs and wonders claims the temple as his own has his own church and assembly etc such is the method of the great deceiver of the world, against whom says Hippolytus, Enoch, and Elias have warned us. We are reminded how Satan put forth his claim, I am also a son of God, and commanded Cain to make an offering unto the Lord and to take his oaths by the living God as if everything were still in the proper order. That's Hunibly, Enzyme, December 1976. Ooh, I need to like read that article. Um, okay. So yeah, it's amazing how we have so much more information from the book of Enoch. Um, but that it in DNC 10757, it says that they'll be testified of in due time. So it's not something that maybe we have available to, um, all of us just freely and the church hasn't really come out and said like let everybody can now you know have access to this in the word tool or in the gospel library but it is something that is available to us that we could look up and search through and you know kind of have our own testimony of um i do love the follow him podcast of this these sections um so go look it up. It's with Jeanette Erickson and she talks a lot about family and I love that. Um, and how the relationships that we have really affect our, the way that we can influence our family members. Um, okay. So it says that we have the book of Enoch. Um, the Bible dictionary explains that the apocryphal books are mostly correct, but with many interpolations by man. Remember? Okay, verse 26. And it came to pass that Enoch journeyed in the land among the people. And as he journeyed, the Spirit of God descended out of heaven and abode upon him. Oh, that's awesome. Um, And he heard a voice from heaven saying, Enoch, my son, prophesy unto this people and say unto them, Repent, for thus saith the Lord, I am angry with this people, and my fierce anger is kindled against them. For their hearts have waxed hard, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes cannot see afar off. 
And for these many generations, ever since the day that I created them, have they gone astray and have denied me and have sought their own counsels in the dark and their own abominations have they devised murder and have not kept the commandments which I gave unto their father Adam. Wherefore they have forsworn themselves and by their oaths they have brought upon themselves death and the hell I have prepared for them if they repent not. And this is a decree which I have sent forth in the beginning of the world from my own mouth, from the foundation thereof, and by the mouths of my servants, thy fathers, have I decreed it, even as it shall be sent forth into the world unto the ends thereof. And when Enoch had heard these words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord and spake before the Lord, saying, Why is it that I have found favor in thy sight, and am but a lad, and all the people hate me? For I am slow of speech. Wherefore am I thy servant? Oh man, I love this because sometimes we are, the Lord asks us to do things maybe all the time and we feel super inadequate, right? And we're like, really? But I, and then we include like all kinds of things that we're not good at and that we're not perfect at. And, and then the Lord has his own answer for each one of us when we, when we say these things and, um, I love it because it's just his response is so relatable to to us, right? Like I'm not ready and are you sure you want me and why me? And it's just like those are some things that just always come up because we are just I mean, we're naturally kind of insecure, right? Cuz we're listening to the wrong voices in our heads. Um and when he says that he's but a lad, some scholars estimate that he was about 65 years old, but obviously when they were living like 900 years, this seems really young, right? Um, but it's possible that he felt lack of experience and wisdom compared to the patriarchs that came before him, right? So like if you got, you know, a patriarch talking to you who's like 900 years old and then you're asked to preach, of course you're going to feel like, ah. Uh, I can't preach to this person because they're older than me. Or, you know, when I know in Sunday school, some people have um, expressed to me like that they need that they're that they got a call to teach Sunday school. And they're like, what am I supposed to teach these people? They're older than me and have more experience. How am I supposed to teach them? And so I know that that's something that is like a concern, you know, like naturally you feel like old people are supposed to teach us or older than us people are supposed to teach us. Cause that's how we, um, that's where we get our wisdom and experience or our wisdom and knowledge, right. From having like mentors who are older than us and who have been there before us. But sometimes it's so nice to get that perspective, that fresh perspective from the younger, uh, generations. Cause that's, how we can learn too. And so um so many times I know I've been taught lessons from Finn and Faust, right? Um so he was just concerned that people hated him and he was slow of, of speech and just super like super inadequate, just felt like that, right? And I love the Lord's response. And the Lord said unto Enoch, go forth and do as I have commanded thee and no man shall pierce thee. Open thy mouth and it shall be filled and I will give thee utterance for all flesh is in my hands and I will do as seemeth me good. Say it, say unto this people, choose ye this day to serve the Lord who made you. Behold, my spirit is upon you. Wherefore, all thy words will I justify and the mountains shall flee before you and the rivers shall turn from their course and shall and thou shalt abide in me and in, and I in you. Therefore walk with me. And the Lord spake unto Enoch and said unto him, Anoint thine eyes with clay and wash them and thou shalt see. And he did so. And he beheld the spirits that God had created. And he beheld also the also things which were not visible to the natural eye. And from thenceforth came the saying abroad in the land, A seer hath the Lord raised up unto this people. Um... Isn't that beautiful? Just like the fact that the Lord just had so much confidence in him. Like if we could just remember that every time the Lord asks us to do something, just remember that he is with us, that he's walking with us, that he wants us to walk with him, then how much more will we be able to accomplish if we know that he is by our side?
if we just trust him and if we believe him and believe in him and his ability to be with us. And the only way to try that is to try it out. Like the only way to know that for yourself is to try it out. Like I could tell you my experiences with that and it's worked every time. Every time I'm like, I need to go visit who? I don't even know this person, but I'm going to show up on their doorstep and I do. And I'm like, okay. And a lot of the times I have to say like a prayer to myself and say, okay, Heavenly Father, you asked me to come, so you need to tell me what words I'm going to say. Like, I'm just going to start talking, and you got to fill it with something, because I have no idea what I'm going to say. And you know me, I'm like a good conversation starter. And so you'd think that, like, I'd have some kind of confidence coming up to people's houses that I don't know. And nope, I'm just like, bless me, because I'm here, because you sent me, and I need you to help me with this, because I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I'm so confused. I, like, zero info and then I show up people shockingly let me into their home give me tours of their home invite me and are super kind and super nice and it and and then sometimes they don't you know and sometimes it's more than a one-time thing that you can't just show up and try something you gotta try multiple things and then eventually they let you in but every time it ends well and so it's just awesome and I believe that's kind of like what, what uh, missionaries experience too, where they don't know where they're going. They don't know what they're going to say when they knock on people's doors and they don't know what to expect, but then they trust the Lord and then they, then the Lord provides, provides for them and provides the way. Okay. Um, verse 36 Oh, no, sorry. Verse 37, we already read verse 36. And it came to pass that Enoch went forth in the land among the people, standing upon the hills and the high places, and cried with a loud voice, testifying against their works, and all men were offended because of him. But the Lord was, like, totally okay, right? All, says all men were offended because of him. But when you're doing what the Lord wants you to do, where does your confidence come from? The Lord. And he was probably, like, just grateful that he was still alive maybe because it seemed like everybody hated him and then 38 and it came forth to hear him or and they came forth to hear him upon the high places saying unto unto the tent keepers tarry ye here and keep the tents while we go yonder to behold the seer for he prophesieth and there is a strange thing in the land a wild man hath come among us and it came to pass when they heard him, no man laid hands on him for fear came on all them that heard him for he walked with God. And there came a man unto him whose name was Mahijah and said unto him, tell us plainly who thou art and from whence thou comest. Okay, you're hearing squeaky shoes because that's Flora walking around in her squeakers. And then you're hearing Frodo because I think he wants to go walking also. <laughs> crazy crazy time okay um so let's see we have some commentary okay elder david a benar he says i bear witness that parents who consistently read and talk about the book of mormon with their children who share testimony spontaneously with their children and who invite children as gospel learners to act and not merely be acted upon will be blessed with eyes that can see afar off and with ears that can hear the sound of the trumpet the spiritual discernment and inspiration you will receive from the combination of these three holy habits will enable you to stand as watchmen on the tower for your families, watching with all perseverance to the blessing of your immediate family and your future posterity. Oof, that's powerful. April 2010 General Conference. Um, I need to read that. Okay, and then commentary um, verses 28 to 30. The Lord explained that the wicked had not just become spiritually neutral, but they have forsworn themselves, and by their oaths they have brought upon themselves death. Instead of living the gospel as they had been taught to them through Adam and Eve, they came up with another version, and not only that, versions given to them by Satan. The Lord then gives a decree, which is a law, that hell is prepared for those that do these things and this decree was enforced then and will be enforced until the end of the world wow 
and Hugh Nibley wrote the this verse 28 here they have sought their own counsels in the dark and in their own abominations have they devised murder and have kept and have not kept the commandments which I give unto their father Adam or which I gave unto their father Adam Cain did all this and kept it secret so that Adam wouldn't find out that he was copying and corrupting the whole thing so here it comes out again then didn't they did not keep the commandments I gave Adam, but they put their own version, their own counsel, and devised their own abominations and murders. They were false oaths. They have brought upon themselves death and a hell I have prepared for them if they repent not. To nibbly ancient documents and the Pearl of Great Price. Um, okay, and then I'm going to go help Frodo for a minute. Okay, I think he's better now. <laughs> okay, um... <clears throat> here's a quote by elder neil a maxwell it says when the prophet enoch was called he wondered why and said i am but a lad and all the people hate me for i am slow of speech yet enoch knew that in responding to god the test is not our capability but our our availability and i don't and i'm gonna just in, inject not necessarily our availability with time either because some of us might be called and not have the time but the lord knows that we will make the time right okay so let me keep reading the quote enoch kept the commandments and trusted in the lord's vision of his possibilities going on to become the builder of the greatest city of all time the only time in all of human history when a whole people's righteousness did not relapse was in the city of Enoch, and it all began with a young man who was less than sure of himself. I love that. He goes on to say, Your personal possibilities, not for status and position, but for service to God and mankind, are immense. If you will but trust the Lord to lead you from what you are to do, what you have the power to become. Ah, oh, man, that's gold right there. That's fire, straight fire. Um, Elder Neil A. Maxwell, New Era, May 1981. I look that one up too, you know what I mean? So, <clears throat> wow. I'm going to actually take a screenshot of this so that I can remember this for next time. Okay, that gave you a second to screenshot something too. Okay, um, and some questions um, that I like is, in what ways do you relate to Enoch? And when have you trusted in the Lord despite your feelings of inadequacy? And how can, and this is my personal question, how can remembering the Lord's response to Enoch help you in your story? Okay, and the commentary on verses 35 to 36, the Lord then instructed Enoch to go through the ritual of anointing his eyes with clay and then washing them. Then the promise is thou shalt see right? Rituals are meant to hold symbolism and meaning. Enoch is told to take clay or the earth and put them upon his eyes and then wash it away. As he does so, he beheld things which were not visible to the natural eye. Clay could symbolize the earth and since Enoch couldn't see as the world sees, he needed to wash it away and have spiritual eyes. It was then that the Lord showed him much more and it was then that he became a seer. And I want to just add like, you know, obviously it wasn't the clay that did anything to his eyes. It was the Lord, right? But what are we willing to do that the Lord has instructed us so that we can see better, okay? Because it's, I mean, we can take clay to our eyes and see what happens, you know, but that's not what the instruction, that's not the instruction the Lord is giving us. That instruction was specifically for Enoch. But what is the Lord instructing us to do specifically? What is he instructing you to do so that you can see better? Um, then another commentary says, now armed with knowledge, Enoch goes forth and preaches and he preaches in a way that 
his message would be heard and noticed. He stood upon the hills and high places and cried with a loud voice. He did not preach small and his message was not immediately received. In fact, all men were offended because of him, right? And they called him a wild man. Well, they're going to call you a lot of names, okay? They called me church lady when I would, you know, try and preach or try and tell people not to use uh, bad language around me and things like that. But you know what? Eventually, they didn't call me a prophet or anything, but eventually people become like accustomed to your uh, to you and you become friends and they see your dedication to the Lord. And then they have respect for that. You know, if you're going to be wishy-washy in your, uh, commitment to the Lord, then people aren't going to take you seriously for anything. Like I remember, um, talking about having good language and all the, all those things that I was wanting from, from my friends, right? And expecting them to do, to have respect for me. And eventually they did it and they knew that I was church lady and and it was awesome, right? Eventually, like at the beginning, it seemed not so awesome, but then it seemed awesome. Like, good, people are respecting me. People know who I am and and are willing to watch what they say uh, around me and things like that. Um, and they see my consistency throughout that. But then later on, after I graduated, I felt, I don't know what was wrong with me. <laughs> I think I was going through a phase. But I my language was no longer the best. Um, and super poor language. And I didn't I didn't have the same friends anymore to help me, I guess. Tell me like, hey, uh, you don't talk like that, Linda. Why are you talking like that? But I did have a different friend who told me that it was not cool when I used foul language and that it was the least attractive thing that I could do um, for myself was use bad language and poor language. And not because like he was trying to be my boyfriend or anything. He was just trying to say like, it's not attractive as like a human being to use poor language because it shows lack of knowledge of words. It shows lack of knowledge of anything. It shows real uh, amateur, um, like it's as if I was like some kind of third grader, you know, still learning my my words and my sentences and maybe not third grader. Maybe I'd even say like, you know, first grader even because Faust has better language than I did, you know, like you just can't find language good enough to use. So you're going to use poor language like that doesn't make sense. Right. So it was just very immature to use poor language. The way that I did. And I was grateful that my friend said that and spoke up because, you know, church lady would not have spoken that way. And it was very inconsistent to the way that I had been. And when I'm not consistent with who I am, with who my uh, value, my, what do I call it? My moral my moral values myself, then I betray myself. And self-betrayal is worse than anybody else betraying you. And so anyways, um, what I'm saying is, what am I saying? (laughs) What am I saying? (laughs) What I'm saying is um, be consistent with who you are and with your values because that's what's going to make a difference when you're trying to uh, learn and grow. You know, as you learn and grow, you're going to be consistent with yourself. And then you're going to be consistent with others. And others will see that consistency in you and respect you and not lose that respect because you don't respect yourself, but because you have that confidence within you. Okay. Um <clears throat> What else? Uh, oh, yeah. So they were preaching. They called him a wild man because they were talking stuff that he didn't 
that they didn't know. And in verse 40, we learn that a man named Mahija, who approached Enoch with questions. Um, and I guess here in this commentary, it says, you may be aware of a book that C.S. Lewis wrote, wrote called Screwtape Letters, which is from the perspective of a devil named Screwtape, who is mentoring a junior devil, Wormwood. He is teaching him how to get the patient whom Wormwood is seeking to tempt to abandon God. Neely Maxwell wrote a book in a similar format about two men in Enoch's day. Elder Maxwell imagined what Mahija may have been like and what he may have said in his book, in this book, Elder Maxwell recorded imagined communication between Mahija and his imagined friend Omner. Through Mahija's letters to Omner, we learn of his first meeting with Enoch to eventually becoming a follower and believer. In the very opening paragraphs of the book, Mahija writes, okay, so if you could follow what I just said, it kind of gets a little confusing, but it seems like it's just a book from Elder Maxwell with um, hypothetical questions that could have been asked, right? So, my honored friend, Omner, greetings. I advise you now of the presence in my city of a strange and wild man by the name of Enoch. I do not expect he will become a man of even local importance. Even so, his first advent amongst us was unsettling. Enoch is apparently a son of Jared, whose people are said to be hardworking and harmless, yet he caused unease and fear among some here who heard him, even though he is a young he is young and noticeably noticeably slow of speech. <laughs> All who heard him and I too were offended in one manner or another. It was his certitude in particular that troubled me. Indeed, I was one of the few who chose to confront him, asking him to tell us plainly who he was and whence he came. He gave a straightforward answer, but then riled us all by saying that while he was journeying from the land of Canaan by the sea east, he had received a vision. He even made bold to say the Lord had commanded him to come forth and preach to us. I have it in my mind to hear Enoch again tomorrow, for he is roving over the countryside, speaking on the hills and high places, or wherever he can find people willing to endure his testifying. How does he expect to gain much of a following? He is so filled with alarms and denunciation, and he disturbs the even flow of life here. Um, that's again, Elder Neil A. Maxwell, the book called Of One Heart, The Glory of the City of Enoch. That's cool. I'm going to have to read that book. Let's go look for it. Um, okay. And then, so we're now on verse 41. And he said unto them, I came out from the land of Canaan. Okay. So this is, uh, Mahija now from the book of Moses. Oh, my leg. And he said unto them, I came out from the land of Canaan and the land of my fathers, a land of righteousness unto this day. And my father taught me in all the ways of God. And it came to pass as I journeyed from the land of Canaan by the sea east, I beheld a vision and lo, the heavens I saw and the Lord spake with me and gave me commandment. Wherefore, for this cause to keep the commandment, I speak forth these words. And Enoch continued his speech, saying, The Lord which spake with me, the same is the God of heaven, and he is my God, and your God, and ye are my brethren. And why counsel ye yourselves, and deny the God of heaven? And the heaven, uh, the heavens, he, number 44, the heavens he made the earth is his footstool, and the foundation thereof is his. Behold, he laid it, and host of men hath he brought in upon the face thereof and death hath come upon our fathers nevertheless we know them and cannot deny and even the first of all we know even adam for a book of remembrance we have written among us according to the pattern given by the finger of god and it is given in our own language and as enoch spake forth the words of god the people trembled and could not stand in his presence and he said unto them because that adam fell we are and by his fall came death and we are made partakers of misery and woe Behold, Satan hath come among the children of men and tempteth them to worship him. And men have become carnal, sensual, and devilish and are shut out from the presence of God. But God hath made known unto our fathers that all men must repent. And he called upon our father Adam by his own voice, saying, I am God. I made the world and men before they were in the flesh. And he also said unto him, If thou wilt turn unto me and hearken unto my voice and believe and repent of all the transgressions, 
thy transgressions and be baptized even in water and in the name of my only begotten son who is full of grace and truth which is jesus christ the only name which shall be given under heaven whereby salvation shall come unto the children of men ye shall receive the gift of the holy ghost asking all things in his name and whatsoever ye shall ask it shall be given you and our father adam spake unto the lord and said why is it that men must repent and be baptized in water and the lord said unto adam behold i have forgiven thee thy transgression in the garden of eden Hence came the saying abroad among the people that the Son of God hath atoned for the original guilt, wherein the sins of the parents cannot be answered upon the heads of the children, for they are whole from the foundation of the world. And the Lord spake unto Adam, saying, Inasmuch as thy children are conceived in sin, even so, when they begin to grow up, sin conceiveth in their hearts, and they taste the bitter, that they may know to prize the good. And it is given unto them to know good from evil, wherefore... They are agents unto themselves and have given unto you another law and commandment. Wherefore, teach it unto your children that all men everywhere must repent or they can in no wise inherit the kingdom of God or no unclean thing can dwell there or dwell in his presence. For in the language of Adam, man of holiness is his name and the name of his only begotten is the son of man, even Jesus Christ, a righteous judge who shall come in the meridian of time. Therefore, I give unto you a commandment to teach these things freely unto your children, saying... Okay, I love all these things that we're supposed to be teaching our kids, right? Um, that by reason of transgression cometh the fall, which fall bringeth death. And inasmuch as ye were born into the world by water and blood and the spirit which I have made, and so become of a dust, a living soul, even so ye must be born again into the kingdom of heaven, of water and of the spirit, and be cleansed by blood even the blood of my only begotten, that ye might be sanctified from all sin and enjoy the words of eternal life in this world and eternal life in the world to come, even immortal glory. For by the water ye keep the commandments, by the spirit ye are justified, and by the blood ye are sanctified. Ooh, I love that scripture. Um, okay, there is a quote here really quick. Um, it says here, the Lord is continuing to answer Adam's question about the baptism, about why baptism is important. He explains, we were born into mortality, a fallen condition through water, blood and spirit, right? Because through our mom. And when we, we then show our commitment to overcome the fallen world by being born again, by being born through the savior, right? Through Jesus Christ. And so that's why sometimes Jesus Christ is referred to, um, or that's why we refer to being born again. Uh, or that's why we refer to Jesus Christ as like our father as well. We are baptized by water, then sanctified through the blood of Christ, and then justified by the spirit. Um, and President Joseph Fielding Smith says, Every child born into this world comes by water. The blood and the spirit, the unborn babe, is cradled in water and blood enters into enters its body. And by blood it is born and the spirit which the Lord created enters its body. Thus, there are three witnesses in birth, the water, the blood, and the spirit of the child. So likewise, we must be born again by a burial in water, for by the water ye keep the commandments, by the spirit ye are justified, and by the blood ye are sanctified. John the Beloved understood this principle thoroughly, and he said, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness to earth, the spirit, and the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. Um, that was church history and modern revelation. Okay, and then President Harold B. Lee says, I want to comment about this one statement by the spirit you're justified. Now I struggled with that statement. I have found a definition that seems to indicate to me what I am sure the Lord intended to convey. The defin definition that I think is significant says justify means to pro pronounce free from guilt or blame or to absolve. Now, if the spirit, the Holy Ghost, is to pronounce one free from guilt or blame or to absolve, then we begin to see something of the office of the Holy Ghost that relates to the subject about which we are talking, what it means to be born of the spirit. Oh, no, Flora's is sad. But I know dad's down there, so it's okay. Okay, so that's verse 60. We need to highlight that. Oh, poor. 
fourth floor of me. Okay. <clears throat> We're going to try and read these. So I'm going to no longer read any more quotes. I'm just going to finish this uh, because uh, we are going to go build some Legos. So therefore it is given to abide in you the record of heaven, the comforter, the peaceable things of immortality, glory, the truth of all things, that which quickeneth all things, which maketh alive all things, that which knoweth all things and hath all power according to wisdom, mercy, truth, justice, and judgment. And now behold, I say unto you, this is the plan of salvation unto all men through the blood of mine only begotten, who shall come in the meridian of time. And behold, all things have their likeness, and all things are created and made to bear record of me, both things which are temporal and things which are spiritual, things which are in the heavens above and the things which are in the earth, and things which are in the earth and the things which are under the earth, both above and beneath, all things bear record of me. Okay, I'm going to just throw in a little something because I believe this this is so true you can see christ in everything everything typifies of christ and i testify of that truth i see christ in movies i see christ in the outdoors i see christ in the indoors i see christ everywhere and i just love being able to find him i love being able to find his presence everywhere and his hand in all things and it's just so amazing to me. I can see Christ in each one of you and his characteristics and his attributes and it makes me want to be a better person because of that. And I see it in Flora, even though she's so little, I can see Christ in Flora. I can see Christ in, in dad. I can see him in all the things that dad strives to do. And I love that. And it brings me closer to him and makes me want to be a better wife. And and it makes me want to be a better parent when I see him in in you guys and in Finn and Faust. And I love, I just love looking for Christ and finding him everywhere. And even on your saddest, most darkest days, you can find Christ everywhere in your friends, in the animals, in the, in the, in the air, in the trees, in everything. So you're never alone. There's always Christ is walking with us. Um, and number 64, and it came to pass when the Lord had spoken with Adam, our father, that Adam cried unto the Lord, and he was caught away by the spirit of the Lord and was carried down into the water and was laid under the water and was brought forth out of the water. And thus he was baptized and the spirit of God descended upon him. And thus he was born of the spirit and became quickened in the inner man. And he heard a voice out of heaven saying, Thou art baptized with fire and with the Holy Ghost. This is the record of the Father and the Son from henceforth and forever. And thou art after the order of him who was with, without beginning of days or end of years from all eternity to all eternity. Behold, thou art one in me, a son of God, and thus may all become my sons. Amen. I love that. I love that we can all become his sons and daughters and today we actually got a uh talk from brother i can't remember his name um and he gave a talk it was really cool because he liked he's a rower and he has been rowing for a long time and so he said that his whole thing when they can row together in sync that is magic. That's where you can start going the fastest. And our job is to be in sync with the Lord when we're acting and moving, when we can be in sync with his will and what he wants for our lives, when we are obeying his commandments and not struggling to obey, but be like Enoch and obey, then we can go at the speed of light with the Lord. And it's just awesome. And I love it. And yesterday I dropped off a balloon to uh sister kesley sister kesley strong over here one of our neighbors she's not quite a missionary yet but she will be soon and <sighs> i was kind of dancing around and jumping when i got back and and i'd been sick for a while so i haven't actually been as active and jumping around and finn goes mom why are you dancing around and i'm like oh because i just got to serve 
Kesley Strong, our neighbor. And I got to serve her and give her a balloon and popcorn. And it was so simple and just $2, you know, from the dollar store. But it was just like so simple, such a simple act that it just lifted my spirits because that is what the Lord does when we do what he asks, when we follow his promptings. He lights us up and he gives us that power, that energy that we need to continue to do and go and do, to go and do, to continue to be awesome and live and have that like fire in us. When we are obeying his commandments, when we are doing what he asks us to do, we are on fire and we just can keep going and he can continue to propel us forward. And anyways, I love these scriptures. It's so amazing. And let's just keep going. Um, I love you. Thanks for showing up. You're the best. And special thanks to dad, since you're my only subscriber for now. (laughs) And, And maybe our kids will listen and maybe our kids won't, but at least we'll have it saved for them and be here when they need it most. Mom loves you.